everybody. It's Bert from Season Gaming, and thanks for joining us today. I'm joined as usual by Ainsley Bowden, and we got a good podcast for you today. We're going to cover the podcast like we usually do in our same format, where we're going to give you some news, going to talk about a few of the rumors. Our main topic today is what we think are the best games from last generation, and we'll kind of talk about it, hopefully get your opinions on it in the comments a little bit later. But let's go ahead and start off with the news first. Ains, what do you got for us this week? Yeah, so hello, everyone. We're going to start uh, with the hottest game in the world right now, and that is PUBG. So uh, it continues to kind of defy expectations or even logic at this point. Uh, they announced last week or late last week that they've passed 16 million sold. Um, I believe it was something like two or three days after they announced 14 million sold. So, I mean, it's just unbelievable the rate at which that game's selling. And on top of that, they've broken their own Steam record now where they've passed 2 million concurrent players. And I believe since then they've hit something like 2.3 million concurrent players on Steam. So that game is just, um, like I said, continuing to divide lo defy logic at this point. Um, they also released a, uh, a small press release talking about their road to version 1.0. So keep in mind that um, despite all of its success, it's still in what's technically called early access on Steam. So they're still working on that. Um, the road to 1.0 includes what they're hoping to be a holiday release for 1.0, which will also include, of course, the Xbox release. So I think right now, as we've kind of talked about before, we're expecting that game in December, probably the last game, major game of the year to release. And uh, we'll see what it brings. But, uh, you know, I've, I've said before, I'm really anticipating it on Xbox One, haven't played it on PC. So uh, I can't wait uh, to get my hands on it. Right. I don't even know what to think of the <clears throat> release of it coming out on Xbox One X and, and Xbox One because, I mean, it's got so much hype, everything kind of coming from the game. We've kind of had a hint of what the, the versions are. If you have not played on PC, we've got the game we're going to talk about next for Fortnite to kind of give us an idea of how the mode is played. So I, I'm kind of wanting to see more of it. I, I think there's so much hype coming to console that um, I hope it does well. But the whole idea of early access is so different to me now that it's like you can play like a full game, but it's still considered early access, but they're constantly adding features. So I'm excited. Well, we'll see what it's like when it comes out. Yeah, I think it's kind of strange, too, because they mentioned that they're, they're working towards version 1.0 on uh, Steam, on the PC, but it's also going to launch in the Xbox preview program, which is like early access on Xbox. So I don't know where the disparity is there between version 1.0 and what's going to release on Xbox, because they've said content-wise they should be the same version. So um, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, either way, we're, we shouldn't be a long, long ways off at this point. Yeah, and still no firm release date, right? We're still looking at sometime in December. So. Yeah, they're saying, <clears throat> excuse me, gosh, they keep saying uh, end of the year, which means, you know, just tells me from experience that they are working overtime to try and get this thing out. Microsoft obviously knows this is a huge, huge exclusive for them on the console side. So they're trying to push it uh, in 2017, obviously, with the launch of the Xbox One X coming. So we'll see if they actually do it. Personally, of course, I'm excited for it. But if rushing it, you know, means we're going to get a subpar product, then, uh, you know, I hope they just delay it to the first quarter or something like that. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to get delayed. I don't know. Uh, we'll see what how the Xbox One X goes and how that release goes and games are going. I wonder if they're going to maybe have to push it for December, but who knows. All right, so let's segue over to, um, I guess, our next story. And as, as I mentioned a second ago, Fortnite, which was released, I guess, in early release slash beta form back in July, um, has got one of their most recent modes, which is the Battle Royale mode. So to kind of differentiate the differences, Fortnite still has a normal mode, but this is entirely different and it's completely free and you can download it standalone to an extent, um, is dealing with some cheaters. So Ains, why don't you tell us a little bit about this lawsuit that's coming to a couple of cheaters and how it affects gaming in general? 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting, really, because um, <clears throat> so they released Battle Royale. It's kind of the the most famous PUBG competitor at this point. You know, 100 players, everyone, every man for themselves. Uh, they just added the ability to have two and four player squads. But they announced that uh, they started banning cheaters at a greater rate. And mo more importantly, is that they're actually suing. So this is Epic Games, the company who makes, you know, Fortnite and are famous for games like Gears. Uh, they're suing two of the cheaters for uh, drastically impacting the game and uh, negatively affecting the player base. So uh, they announced this about a week ago. Um, I don't know what it means, you know, for the industry going forward. I, just going from memory, I can't remember anything like this where the larger companies actually suing, um, you know, the, the cheaters who were affecting a game. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here because they could very easily, should they win or, you know, should there be substantial consequences for these two cheaters, they could really set a precedent, um, which honestly, to me, I, I can't stand cheaters. I can't stand people who ruin other people's good times. So, you know, good. I'm completely behind Epic on this one. And, uh, you know, kind of related to this as well with, uh, you know, the whole PUBG and Fortnite Battle Royale. Um, Blue Hole developers of PUBG announced just two days ago, actually, that they are at a rate now in PUBG of banning 6,000 cheaters per day. So it just goes to show you how many people are playing the game, but also how many people are, you know, playing the game and trying to uh, find loopholes to, uh, you know, just win, which seems bizarre to me because it's not like you're winning anything in reality, right? You're just winning a video game. So it's, it's kind of crazy. Right. And it's funny. I'm, I'm with you when it comes to cheaters. If it's one thing I can't stand is people that are you know, specifically manipulating code in a game to cheat or they have one of those cheating controllers that you can get by to get the auto-aim and stuff. I mean, there's other games that have been in the past, like your Call of Duties, even Battlefields, that there's been cheaters and they kind of ruin an entire um, series or game um, after the next game comes um, by making it impossible to win just by cheaters. So that drives me crazy. And I'm with them too. I'm kind of curious to see how successful they're going to be on the lawsuit. Um, after reading more about it, it's funny that these two gamers, um, I guess you could call them, are uh, plaintiffs at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they had constantly been banned, 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 banned. And I think what finally happened is Epic finally said, screw this, we're not banning you anymore. We're just going to sue you at this point. And I think I, I, I read a number of like 20 plus times one of the, one of the players was banned um, from Fortnite. Wow. Um, and they were constantly finding um, this gamer. Uh, you know, around. So I don't know how many times you have to get banned before you realize you probably stopped doing that. But yeah, good for Epic, I guess, if they win. We'll see how, how far they take it or if they're just trying to scare the crap out of these uh, players or not. Um, on some positive news, um, if you are on the Xbox One and I guess in the future Xbox One X, um, you do have a new UI that is available to everybody now. So this has been um, for the preview program, uh, players has been available for a while now, um, where we have the entire new UI. This this isn't just a few new features that were available on the UI, where you simply get you know a, a new menu here or a new feature. This is an entire refresh. They're calling it the fall um, actual update, and it is available for everyone. Um, if you don't get it automatically, you can go to your settings and request the update. Um, it is a bit different. Uh, as we've personally discussed, we were both were kind of in agreement that it does take some time to get used to. Um, however, I do seem to like it a lot more. I'm, I'm very into the simplicity of any kind of UI or anything, even on my PCs. I, I keep everything super clean and very simple. Uh, this one does seem to have a cleaner look to it, and it's a lot more snappier um, as far as moving all over the place. Um, and there is a lot of new features that you can kind of see that are intentionally for the Xbox One X um, to take control of the horsepower, even though you won't see a lot of those features 
until you get your Xbox One X. Um, so yeah, I really like it. Uh, Ains, what are your thoughts on it? I know you've you had it a lot longer than me since you're part of the preview program, and I took myself out a while ago. What do you what are you thinking so far? Yeah, I've been toying with it for a few months now, and um, yeah, I like it. Uh, I think there's a couple basic things that require an extra click that annoy me. Some you know something like uh, the party, you know, setting up a party or those other things uh, with your friends. But other than that, I think it's a really good job. Um, you know, I like the home screen layout. I've actually put on a customized uh, cuphead background behind the uh, the home screen. And uh, I like that, you know, you can have a bunch more pins now for your favorite games and apps and uh, you can customize your home screen a little more. I like the community um, tab. You know, you can see a lot more of what your friends and stuff are doing now, which is nice. And uh, like you said, it's got some features for Xbox One X. You know, already now you can record in uh, 1080p, which is great compared to 720p, which has been there since launch. And there is a pretty drastic difference. I actually uh, did a a sample of Path of Exile in 1080p versus 720p, and uh, the difference is pretty pretty sharp. Um, and then you can also download, um, you know, they're starting to sort games by the X1X and the, the whole 4K thing in HDR. So you can sort your games by, um, you know, which games have these specific features. And you can actually download some of the Xbox One X enhancements already to your hard drive to kind of prepare for when uh, the system launches so you don't, you know, launch, <clears throat> pick up your system on November 7th and then have to download all these updates, which could take a while for some people. So I, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think it's good. I think, um, you know, I just think about it from uh, <laughs> a project management standpoint of, you know, I can't imagine what it takes uh, Microsoft to coordinate all these things, you know, from a timeline perspective to make sure they get done before launch. And uh, it's pretty impressive that they stick to these uh, dates and get everything out when they do. Yeah, another cool thing about the updates in general is the they take a lot of uh, fan feedback and user feedback pretty seriously. So in every update, there's always something specific that came from the community. So you can kind of see that with this one as well. Um, if you're watching it visually, we are kind of scrolling through some of the updates right now that Major Nelson was kind of showing um, on the video. Um, if you're listening just audio-wise, um, take a look at it. It's pretty cool. You'll find them easily on YouTube. They're, they're pretty cool to see. So I really like that stuff too. And for someone that doesn't have the fastest bandwidth, I mean, I'd probably get 50 down on a good day. Um, I'm really going to need it for the X1X enhancements when the launch day comes. So I'm kind of happy to get those ahead of time. So cannot complain. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever watched any of our videos or anything before, but if you ever watch uh, Porsche Power or Ains's background, might be a fan of Halo. I'm not too sure. Um, but Ains, since this is pretty much your big thing, I love Halo too, but unfortunately I fall to a distant second. What's coming on the Xbox One X for Halo franchises? Yeah, I have uh, no idea. I don't really follow Halo at all, to be honest. No, um, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, my uh, favorite news of the week, honestly, has been Halo related, which shouldn't surprise anyone. Um, but there's actually been some really significant news. So we already knew that Halo 5 was getting a 4K update, you know, native 4K 60, which is going to be absolutely incredible, especially in the multiplayer front for Halo 5. They also announced that this Halo 5 update that includes the 4K update for Xbox One X is going to include LAN support. So anyone who's been a long-term Halo fan knows what LAN support, you know, means to, to Halo fans. Um, it's how Halo CE became famous, and it's been supported ever since. Um, there was, uh, when Halo 5 launched, there was a little backlash because they didn't actually support LAN uh, out of the gate. So local tournaments and things like that still had to run over an internet connection, which, as you can imagine, can, can you know, change the game a little bit. So this was really impressive to see. No one really thought they were ever going to add LAN support to Halo 5, so that's really cool. 
But the bigger announcement and the one that really nobody expected but everybody is happy about <clears throat> is that Bonnie Ross, who is the head and founder of 343 Industries, came out this week and uh, confirmed that they are fixing or working on fixes for Master Chief Collection. So we've talked uh, at length in you know, prior big casts about Master Chief Collection and how sad it was that uh, it didn't really live up to what it should have been because of all the issues it had and the way it was developed and some of the complications. But she said uh, formally that they're bringing an entirely new group who's going to be internal to 343 to f you know, work on fixing the game. Um, obviously, it's very complicated. That's why it's taken so long. Um, one of the little tidbits to, uh, to kind of show you or tell you how complicated it is is that the game runs on six different engines, which if you think about it from a modern coding perspective is an absolute nightmare. I wouldn't want to deal with that. Um, so it's, it's going to be impressive, but long story short, they said uh, the first of the updates will be coming in spring. Um, it's going to include Xbox One X enhancements, and uh, this has just kind of lit the Halo community ablaze, because if you can just imagine the promise of Halo Master Chief Collection having Halo 1 through 4 um, and ODST available at any time in multiplayer, running at you know 4K, possibly 60, and with no bugs whatsoever, it's a Halo fan's dream, really, so... Um, yeah, this was uh, my favorite news of the week. Yeah, it's hard to forget the <coughs> Master Chief Collection's launch. It was kind of a headache uh, for a lot of people. I mean, single player, you could easily play with very few issues. There were still a few hiccups here and there, but the multiplayer, uh, to say it was a mess is an understatement. So uh, it's good to see that they're going to focus on it. They're going to take their time and release it when they can. We don't have any details as to exactly what those enhancements will be for the Xbox One X, but... It's almost uh, safe to assume they're probably going to be shooting for 4K 60 frames per second um, if we're lucky. So hopefully that's good. Um, for some of the younger folks that are on the uh, listening crowd, you know, what what is a LAN update party? Or how, <laughs> how does that work? Why don't you explain that for us for some people that really don't know what the old days were where you could take your Xbox to people's houses and stuff. Yeah, the fact that I would even have to explain what that is kind of makes me sad. Um so essentially what they're saying is that with Halo 5, you'll actually be able to be local. So if you take, you know, go over to a buddy's house or have a party, a local party, you can have multiple Xbox Ones or Xbox One Xs connected via a uh, LAN cable or Ethernet cable, what you run your uh, internet through, and uh, connect them together. <clears throat> and then um, you can run those on multiple TVs. So you each connect to a TV, you each can, you connect all the Xboxes together, and you can play local multiplayer on several screens, usually up to about 16 people. Um, you can do it individual screens or you can do uh, up to four on a screen typically. I don't know what they're going to do for Halo 5. It may just be two a screen, but we'll see. But either way, it's pretty neat to think that, you know, I'm sure just given the Halo community, we'll see some of those old uh, LAN parties popping up for Halo 5, which will be really neat. <laughs> yeah, the old days of multiplayer was pretty great. I remember people getting their whole computers to take it over to people's houses to play, you know, Unreal or Counter-Strike or something. Those are so fun. <laughs> it's hard to imagine that... Uh, you know, I think back to like college when Goldeneye was huge and <laughs> I'm kind of dating myself a little bit, but you know, it's hard to imagine that we used to play four player split screen on like 19 inch TVs yeah. and we used to love it. You know, you didn't even think anything of it. Um, nowadays you try doing that and you don't even know what the hell's going on. So it's kind yeah. of funny. You get the old cardboard screen 
cuddly that we people aren't <laughs> jumping on other people's screens. Anyways, enough of uh, some nostalgia. Okay, so we had some uh, kind of negative news that a lot of people were hoping would probably never happen, but um, for everybody's favorite publisher, uh, we've got Activision to briefly talk about, and there was some news uncovered via patent that came out. And I guess the, the negative news here is that loot um, found in some of their games um, was kind of being attacked by other people playing in the game too. So let me give you an example of how this was working. If you were to play a game multiplayer-wise, you'd get killed by someone and it would kind of show you the gun that they had or whatever that may have been purchased via microtransaction. This would then affect the way you could buy that transaction via microtransaction or you could get killed easier or harder from it. So it ended up being kind of a negative thing that came through it. Um, Activision has somewhat responded to it by saying, hey, this was kind of something we did via market research. It currently doesn't run in any of our games. Um, but one of the negative things about this entire thing is microtransactions in general have been seen very, very poorly in recent times because we're kind of starting to see it in everything from racing games to shooting games to story games even. And uh, this kind of just adds to the pile um, and Activision is not everybody's favorite publisher in general. I think they're really close in, in as far as a negative name goes with EA, um, even though they're in very close relationship to a lot of games. But uh, this is pretty sad and pretty upsetting. I mean, I, when I heard this, I was rolling my eyes most of the time. What about you, Ains? Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> disgusting is uh, one word uh, I would use. Um, I think it's ridiculous, and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, someone uncovered this patent because, you know, the more we shine a light on this um, and there's a lot of outrage over it and people start, uh, you know, voicing their opinions, the more we'll, we'll have a fight against it. But, you know, this is really bad. So uh, one example I heard, um, which may be relevant, or I thought, you know, would be relevant and kind of um, demonstrate how this could work, for the companies is the fact that think of um, in the EA sports games, you have ultimate team, right? And the plan or how ultimate team works is you buy packs, you open cards, you get players of that sport, you build your team and then you go into matchmaking, you use your team against other players teams. Well, <clears throat> imagine that you would be getting beat by these other teams, which then encourages you to say shit, you know, I need to make my team better. So I'm going to buy some packs and get better players. And then what they would do is as you buy more packs, they would change or adjust matchmaking so that you would play teams who bought less packs. So now you're the stronger team and you're beating up on these people who haven't bought packs, which just continues the cycle, right? It makes you feel good about buying the packs and the other person you just beat on, it makes them feel like, well, crap, I need to buy some packs. And uh, I think that's, uh, you know, predatory. I think that's, again, it's honing in on that gambling sense. And I think that... Um, it's, there's going to be a much larger discussion that comes into this very, very soon. In fact, uh, just uh, just this week or earlier this week, I believe it was the UK, someone in England um, noted that they're going to start looking into loot boxes from a legal perspective. The government is actually going to look into loot boxes from a legal perspective in video games. So um, I think we're already getting to the point where this is going to be a much larger conversation. Yeah, and we could almost have an entire main topic just on this as we have kind of had a conversation on microtransactions already. But, um, well, I mean, one of the biggest things I can tell to anybody listening is quit buying microtransactions. I mean, the industry is making billions off of microtransactions, but you're pretty much the reason why they're coming through if you're a, a big microtransaction purchaser. So, I mean, they're going to keep doing it if you keep buying. Uh, so try to stay away from it as much as you can. I mean, sometimes they're unavoidable, but there's other times where the microtransactions are just ridiculous and you don't need to get them. But, you know, hopefully you get what you want out of them, but just be careful with them because they're going to continue to get worse if we keep buying so many of them. But 
Let's go ahead and move on to a couple other stories before we wrap up news. But uh, if you're one of the uh, 10 people still playing Lawbreakers, you deserve a <laughs> round of applause because it's, it's pretty bad. So uh, the big news here is Lawbreakers is now under 10 concurrent players. When this game first came out, literally the first days, there was a tiny bit of buzz about it. Obviously, it had Cliffy B, big name in the development world. Um, but I think at the, at the height was only a couple thousand. And after that, the numbers dramatically have fallen. One thing that's interesting about this new story is limited run games did have a collector's edition that they did with this game. So I'm wondering if that's one of the 10 people that is still playing this game. Maybe it'll jump up to 12, but I don't know. This game is essentially dead as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I've seen it. A lot of it looks cool, but I don't think I can jump over to that game. As I said, my biggest hiccup was the number of shooters out at this time that are very similar. So thoughts, Ains, yeah. anything on that one for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's almost embarrassing, and it's kind of weird, right? Because Cliff is rather outspoken, and in in later years or, or more recent years, he's been uh, even more outspoken, and he's kind of been a little arrogant. You know, he has a reputation for being a little arrogant, and uh, the quote that keeps getting thrown around is, you know, I want to create the next billion dollar franchise, and um, that has come full circle all the way down to the bottom. To uh, quote a couple weeks ago of him saying, "I have to keep this game alive." Um, so we know the kind of fallout that happened with Battleborn. Battleborn was kind of the running joke for months after it launched, you know, due to Overwatch. And uh, that game still pulls in several hundred to over a thousand concurrent players on Steam, whereas Lawbreakers, as you said, and, and we're talking about Steam here, you know, it is on PS4. We don't know what the PS4 player base is like. Um, but in terms of Steam numbers, you know, as you said, it's, it's dead. Um, and it's become the running joke now. So who knows what the future is for this game, but it does not look very good. Yeah, and it's funny because you see social media always kind of uses Microsoft as the punching bag as to how many players they have. But it was like, bring it over to Microsoft and you'll have 20 players or something. Um, but I don't know. It's interesting to see, to your point, we don't know exactly what the numbers are on PS4. But I, I don't think I've seen any outlets, any social media saying, hey, come on over to PlayStation 4. That's where we're all at playing. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny to think of Battleborn because Battleborn was seen as a massive failure when Overwatch was out and everybody was talking about how bad that game was, but in, in reality, it really wasn't that bad. It was just a different game. It's not a direct competitor in gameplay either to Overwatch, which is interesting, but everybody compared them. But I don't know. I think a lot of the negativity towards Lawbreakers is Cliffy B's fault. Some people love them. Some people despise them. So I think that kind of comes into effect. Are you going to play someone's game that you don't really even care for? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll play down the road when it's beyond free and uh, they're paying you to play it. You know, come play for free and we'll give you free microtransactions. No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's, there's more games to play that are all AAA quality. I'm not going to waste my time on it. Right. Uh, moving over to another studio that has been unfairly, um, you know, criticized in different ways, I guess, is Respawn. So the big name for Respawn is going to be Titanfall 1, Titanfall 2. Uh, they are working on a new VR shooter. Um, there's a lot of rumors that it was a Star Wars or maybe a VR Titanfall game, and it's actually not. So uh, we don't know exactly what it is yet, but they are working with Oculus um, Studios on this one. Um, no idea if it's going to be exclusive to PC, Xbox One, PlayStation 4. We're still kind of learning more about it, but Oculus kind of works a lot more on the PC side and even Microsoft to a certain extent. So we're not really sure what that means, but uh, some good news on Respawn. I'm actually a big fan of them. Um, I love what they've done with the Titanfall series, despite other people finding things to criticize on it. Um, so we'll see as more news comes out on that one. Yeah, uh, huge fan of Titanfall 1, as you can tell here. Um, 
Titanfall 2's campaign was brilliant. I loved it. Um, the multiplayer, you know, is great. We go back to the whole map design debacle, which I'm not going to get into. Uh, I wish they would have kept Titanfall 1 maps with Titanfall 2 progression and you would have had a, a game I probably would have never stopped playing. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's not Titanfall. It's not Star Wars because they're supposedly also working on a Star Wars, um, you know, single-player game, which uh, who knows what the future of that is, given the other news we're going to talk about here. But... Um, <clears throat> In this game is supposed to release in 2019 uh, with Oculus Studios, as you said. So we don't know at this point. Obviously, Sony's in bed with their own uh, PlayStation VR, right? They've got their own internal thing, whereas Microsoft is going more of a uh, open approach with uh, mixed reality. And they're launching some headsets with, uh, you know, Windows 10 support later this year, actually, actually this month. Um but uh, they've already said that Xbox One X is going to support virtual reality in the future. Now, what that means in terms of headsets and studios, we don't know. So it'd be real interesting to see how that develops because it would be pretty cool to see something like a Respawn VR title on Xbox One X in the future. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see if PSVR really survives in the next two to three years anyways, just due to lack of power. I mean, even if you're running on PlayStation 4 Pro with the headset, you're already limited to a lot of software. So, I mean, obviously we don't know how well the VR would work on the Xbox One X, but with the extra power and with Oculus being a pretty good VR headset to begin with, um, it might be able to push things a little bit better than the competitor. So, who knows? All right, if you're a Nintendo fan, uh, more good news for you is if you don't have enough good news already, but the Switch has been the top-selling console for the past three months in a row. And those months are July, August, September. Um, if you were kind of trying to get that switch, it should be easier to find now. So it's good that supply is easier for people. The production of it coming out is uh, a lot faster. Uh, I think everywhere I go, I can actually find a switch in any color. Um, now you have some different types of Switch bundles coming. I think they were hoping to get as many Switches out as possible before Mario releases. There's a new Mario Switch bundle with the Mario Joy-Con colors. There was a Splatoon one a while ago, so they're all over the place. Um, so good news from there. Um, also, along with Microsoft's new UI update, the Switch got a pretty cool update as well. They're finally, this is going to sound like a dig, but they're finally getting up to date with the current consoles and what they can do. Um, it's just some highlights and some high-level features that are now available. You can record up to 30 seconds of screen time. So if you've done something cool in your game, you can use the record function now. Um, we do have the ability to do file transfers. So this was a huge concern when the Switch initially launched. Um, if you started a game on the internal memory, you could not transfer that internal save to a SD card save, which is a massive issue, because what if, what if your Switch broke and you needed to send it back? Or what if maybe you just have two Switches and you want to transfer your save game from one to another? You couldn't do that in the past, so now you can do that. As we know, the Switch's internal memory is only 32 gigs. You only really get about 26 or 27 of it when you're playing, so this is big. And even more for some of the games coming out that have large install sizes, so big there. Uh, the other thing that is kind of a big deal is it now allows USB headsets. So if you were kind of stuck with that crazy Splatoon headset, um, you can now use uh, different USB headsets. So definitely take a look. Uh, we'll be once again showing video of some of this and how it works. Uh, but if you need more information, definitely check out the sites and you can view more and get it. So this is, uh, if your Switch does have the auto update on, it'll do it automatically and it's really quick. If you need to manually do it, make sure to update your Switch. So pretty cool there. Yeah, not much to add on this one. Um, you know, good for Nintendo. I, I think that uh, it's kind of funny that we're talking about these features, you know, in late 2017 as being new. 
um but uh you know better late than never right so i think it's good that nintendo got these out and uh as you i think you mentioned um we have the actual press release from nintendo of the new all the new features and how you use some of them on the site so if you're looking for that go ahead and check it out right so good stuff there i've been looking for some new features and new things on the switch in general uh so it's cool you can do that uh, so Digital Foundry, uh, we're big fans of the work that they do, um, and they have some new interesting footage. This isn't the first game that has kind of been reviewed and compared, but it's one of the bigger games because a lot of people have the uh, Lord of the Rings Shadow of War game as their one of their Game of the Year contenders. Um, and as we know, currently PlayStation 4 does have enhancements there, but the big interesting news is they compared it to the Xbox One X enhancements, and they were pretty dramatically different as to the quality of game. Another game to kind of think about that has kind of seen some similar comparisons is the Assassin's Creed Origins game um, that was kind of showcased for the Xbox One X in general. But um, as I did mention, the PS4 Pro has been out for uh, almost a year now um, altogether. And uh, it's going to be kind of dated being the difference in power. So with these games that are cross-platform, once again, cross-platform, not exclusives, if we're starting to see some of the differences in the launch titles that are coming out for the Xbox One X with the starting features that are coming out there, that's really going to kind of uh, maybe do it, definitely change people's idea for games or at least make them aware that there's a dramatic difference if you have a nicer TV. So... Take a look at that video. We'll definitely link it in the description and maybe link it in the video so you can kind of see the differences. But they are pretty different. Um, and hopefully, if you're doing having to choose between cross-platform, make sure you research it if you have both consoles. So big deal there. What are you going to do with this game, Ains? I know you're a huge Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> yeah, I probably won't be picking this up. Maybe down the road. Um, I'm hearing really good things about it despite all the controversy. But, uh, yeah, this was interesting. So this video just came out earlier today, and uh, it was... It was, um, <clears throat> I think it kind of justified all the talk that Microsoft has had around the Xbox One X, right? And, you know, we've heard Phil Spencer and all everyone from Microsoft saying this is going to be, a, you know, demonstrable difference over any other console. And uh, so far, we've definitely seen enhancements, but we haven't seen, I don't think anyway, something as clear as this one. They, they do side-by-sides with the Xbox One X and the Pro version. And, uh, I mean, there, there's no comparison. The texture quality... Um, you know, everything they said about the article in terms of, uh, you know, uh, load times and other things as well. But in particular, the, the 4K assets and the texture quality is just a, far above and beyond what uh, the Pro can do. And the funny thing about it is that the build that they're using for the Xbox One X, because, you know, the system's not out yet, is from Gamescom. So the build is a few months old. So there's no telling if uh, it'll be improved even further by the time launch rolls around next month for the Xbox One X. So um, one of the one of the quotes that kind of stuck out, which really kind of demonstrates the difference. Remember, this is Digital Foundry speaking. Um, is that compared to the Xbox One X, the textures on the PS4 Pro look like soup. Um, so that's definitely not what you want to hear when you're talking about uh, texture quality in a, you know, in a, a uh, Lord of the Rings type game. So um, I think if anything, um, it doesn't really put down the PS4 Pro uh, as much because we're both pro owners. We both love it. Um, but what it does is it, it kind of uh, demonstrates that, hey, the X1X is, is the real deal. Microsoft kept the word. This is a third party title that's going to run in native 4K, um, just like they promised. And, uh, you know, the early tests of it look fantastic. So it's all it's done is, you know, further enhance my insight excitement for uh, November 7th, which was already through the roof. So, 
Right, and it's interesting that when the Xbox One X kind of said what they were going to do, tons of naysayers saying, nah, it's not going to happen. That's gonna, it's going to be crap. Don't even listen to them, whatever, whatever. And as it's gotten closer to closer to launch, there's a lot more excitement starting to kind of snowball, and a lot of people are getting more excited about it. So it's cool to see, to your point, that they are have followed through what they said they were going to do, and we're finally starting to see some things. I think uh, maybe two months ago or so, we saw Rise of the Tomb Raider uh, had their kind of screenshot differences that Digital Foundry did. They kind of followed it up with some more footage of kind of the differences that you'll see between PS4 Pro and Xbox One X. Obviously, if you're not a huge graphic uh, person or if you don't even have a 4K TV, you may not really care too much about that. But if you do have a nice TV, um, this will be a visual difference that you'll be able to see. So hopefully you enjoy it. It's kind of funny to think back a year ago when they announced it, and mostly PC-only guys, right? and don't get me wrong, PC guys, slow down. Keep your hate to yourselves. Um, but there were a lot of PC-only guys that were saying, you know, Xbox One X will never do 4K. Um, they're lying. You know, Microsoft doesn't know what they're talking about and all these things. And, uh, you know, from uh, what we're seeing more and more as we get closer to launch is they weren't lying. Um, here's another another third-party game that's going to run in native 4K and just add it to the list. Uh, I think it's over like 130 titles now that are going to be enhanced, and a whole bunch of those are native 4K. So, um, yeah, I'm excited, man. Can't wait. Good deal. I think we're both can't at the edge of our seats, literally. We'll probably be opening that up midnight and playing the whole day, maybe not even sleeping the night of. Pretty but, much, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that wraps it up for just our standard news. We have a few uh, kind of developer industry news stories to kind of cover with you guys. Uh, Ains, why don't you kick this one off? You kicked off our normal news, and let's let's do it here with this one too. Yeah, we actually have uh, more developer-related stuff than we normally do. So uh, the first is <clears throat> just interesting, something to mention. So Mike Laidlaw, he's the creative director on Dragon Age. Um, and we know that Bioware is working on the next Dragon Age game. But uh, he's creative director, and he left. Uh, he's been with Bioware for 14 years, or was with Bioware for 14 years, and he has taken off. So um, we don't really know what's going on with Bioware. You know, Bioware has a legendary reputation for a number of reasons, Um, just incredible games dating back many, many years. But uh, lately, you know, who knows? Uh, Andromeda came out. (laughs) Not even going to talk about it more than mentioning the name. Um, You keep to yourself. I'm watching you down there. Um, But uh, we know what happened with that. And... um, between uh, Casey Hudson kind of leaving, now coming back, and Mike Laidlaw now leaving, and them working on Anthem, which is supposed to be their next big game. Um, you know, who knows? Um, I don't know what this means for Dragon Age, what this means for Bioware, but, you know, I'm a huge Dragon Age fan. I'm really, really pumped for Anthem, so uh, I, I hope that studio is not kind of falling apart. I hope they're keeping it together because, um, you know, they make some of my favorite games and have made some of my favorite games in the past. Yeah, I... Well, as as my face said a second ago, I'm not going to comment on one of those, but I will say Bioware is one of my favorite studios of all time. Even if we look back to the old Star Wars games that kind of changed gaming to a certain extent, but uh, it's really crazy what's kind of been happening. Um, and then Dragon Age, I, I I thought there was rumors of that might be a game that has been in development for their next follow-up to Inquisition, and uh, I'm not sure if that's going to change that as well. So kind of sad, but you know, hopefully they. They can kind of uh, finish off what they have maybe started already, but, you know, we'll see. So many changes going on in the industry these days that you don't even know what to say to it anymore. Yeah. Uh, Well, speaking of that really is, uh, you know, another thing came out from a developer standpoint, that is uh, CD Projekt Red, who made um, 
what is probably my favorite game of all time now in The Witcher 3. Again, you can see above me, I'm a big fan. Couldn't tell. Um, Couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot more of that around the, the room here. But um, <clears throat> they, um, they saw some uh, ex-employees posting on Glassdoor. So Glassdoor is a website, if you weren't familiar with it, that allows employees of companies to kind of post their uh, thoughts and opinions on companies. So you can imagine how well that goes over. Um, <laughs> but uh, some people were saying that CD Projekt Red, you know, their employees are miserable, that morale is low, and that, you know, all these kind of accusations. And CD Projekt Red responded and said, you know, uh, you know, they do work really hard, and that's what it takes to kind of push the boundaries of uh, what we know as video games. And they're working on cyberpunk uh, real heavily right now, and that is what it is. So, it was, you know, who knows? Um, we don't really know what goes on inside these companies. Uh, if we do, it, it comes out very late. So, who knows if these people are just disgruntled employees or if they're actually, you know, speaking the truth? Nobody knows, but uh, it was rather interesting, especially for a company like. CD Projekt Red that has, uh, or you know, has kind of earned the the highest reputation among fans. Yeah, and I think game development in general is a is a very tough industry to work in. Um, whether you're a developer, or project manager, if you're the CEO, whatever it is, um, you have long hard hours that you're usually working. And I've I've had friends that worked in there that have been testers and stuff, and it's tough in general. I'm not really sure what this really means for them, but you know, being that they are not you know state based um, here in the United States. Uh, it might be a completely different uh, mentality in other countries and stuff. So who knows? We'll see what happens and what comes from it. The the letter I, I thought that they responded to was kind of weird because it was very vague. It was. Um, they, didn't, yeah. they didn't quite address the issue. They kind of mentioned what has been talked about in the press, and then they kind of circled around a few things. But it is also kind of, uh, I guess, good and um, interesting to me more than anything that they actually responded to. I guess, negative press that has been coming out regarding them. So I don't know. And I think that one of the big things that this kind of uh, kicked it off from is, is their next game, um, Cyberpunk. We haven't really heard anything about it whatsoever after, I guess, a teaser. Uh, was it two years ago that the, the teaser came out? Maybe three years ago even? Um, so I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see what it really means and if there's any truth to it or not. Glassdoor is an interesting place. You always hear... Um, with me being in, in a certain role in my professional career, and Glassdoor kind of enters my realm uh, very often, um, you only hear the negative side uh, from companies. You never hear the good things about companies. Uh, so when someone leaves this realm, the first thing they're going to do is track, talk trash about it, but you never hear someone that loves their job somewhere. So anyways, moving on. <laughs> yeah, so uh, again, kind of continuing down that same path, um, one of the saddest pieces of news this week uh, was Electronic Arts announced that uh, they're shutting down Visceral Games. So Visceral Games, best known for the Dead Space series, uh, which you and I are both huge fans of, especially Dead Space 1 and 2. Um, this was very sad to hear. Uh, they did announce that um, you know Patrick Sutherland, who's the executive VP of uh, Electronic Arts, came out and said that they are trying to kind of relocate those employees to other positions within EA. Which is good. Um, I hope they'll, you know, all those guys and gals land on their feet, or you know, get jobs with some other major company. I did see a couple developers actually posting, "Hey, we've got positions open. Come on over." So uh, yeah, that was a Ed Bowen, right? Yeah, yeah, NetherRealm, and then some other places too. I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, you know, that's good to see. I know there's kind of that tight knit um, mentality among a, a lot of the better developers, so that was nice to see. But this is sad news. I mean. Um, what is especially frustrating about it, I think, to, to gamers is they were working on the Star Wars license and they were developing what was supposed to be, supposed to be 
a single player narrative driven Star Wars game. Um, and it was supposed to be what, uh, you know, Star Wars 1313 got canceled years ago to, uh, you know, the chagrin of many fans. And so they were hoping this would be the replacement for that, you know, a, a tight single player campaign in the Star Wars universe that would really tell a good story. And EA essentially didn't say it out loud or didn't say the words, but if you read, you know, through the lines, um, they essentially said that, hey, we don't want the future of this game to be a single player, 10, 20 hour experience. We want it to be something that people play for years. And uh, so it sounds like they want to develop a games as a service or a game as a service rather than a single player narrative game, um, which, you know, we talked about on our last BitCast. So uh, we have our own thoughts and opinions on that whole model. But, um, you know, it is it is disappointing and it, it's sorry to ramble on here, but it's also bizarre, right? Because they've been working on this for years now. It's been at least two years, I think three, um, which means they had to be far along in development. So I don't know how they pivot or turn on this and and change the game into something that can be a game as a service, because those are two completely different development types, you know, two, two completely different worlds. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know what to think about it either in the sense to where uh, EA has just been killing uh, studios lately, all left and right. I mean, the other game we're not going to talk about, and then obviously <laughs> Dead Space, which is literally one of my favorite series ever. Um, and we'll talk about it when we talk about Last Generation in a second, but I don't even know what to think about that. But to your point about it, it's been in development for a while. I mean, we kind of saw things happen with recent exclusives from Xbox One that were in development for a while, and maybe another shoot is going to come in by code. That that game code from them. I mean, who knows? It seems like those Star Wars games, there's, I mean, how many Star Wars games are currently in development that we never know about or that were big or are still being worked on? I mean, there's just so many Star Wars things right now that, you know, I don't know. But it is, it is a big deal. A lot of people love Visceral, um, and it's kind of sad to see EA shut another one down. Yeah, the, and, the, you know, even more bizarre, right, is Amy Hennig, who, you know, got famous for many games, but more most importantly, the Uncharted series, right, and her storytelling techniques. Um, left Naughty Dog, famously, uh, lawsuit and all, went to Visceral to work on creating this Star Wars narrative game. And the only comment they had is, you know, we're speaking with Amy now about her future. And it's like, well, what does that even mean? Because if they're developing a game as a service, that's really not what she does. You know, no. she's famous for narrative-driven games, and she's one of the best in the industry at it. So it's just bizarre. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. Right. Well, sad news for all of us there, guys. Um, that's kind of our developer industry news for this week. Um, we did have one somewhat rumor. It's not really a rumor anymore. We kind of have the, the full thing, but that came out here in the last couple days. And uh, Nino Kuni 2. So if you played Nino Kuni 1, uh, it was a PlayStation 3 exclusive. Um, and it was one of the best RPGs of last generation probably ever, um, especially if you like the art style from... Uh, the Dragon Ball Z series and kind of Dragon Quest, they kind of brought the same uh, art uh, director to come do the art for that game. Very unique game, very cool, but Nino Kuni 2 is coming out, and uh, a lot of people have thought it's going to be specifically a PlayStation 4 exclusive, and, and the rumor, um, or, and also PC, sorry, but uh, the rumor was that this is going to be coming to Xbox One as a digital-only copy for now. Um, that has been squashed as a, a falsehood. So that is not really going to be something that's coming to Xbox One currently at the time. Um, this is a very big kind of Japanese title, JRPG, and it seems like that will be sticking with um, 
the PlayStation 4 slash PC for now. So maybe in the future, maybe it's maybe it'll be a timed exclusive for now, but in the future it'll come out to Xbox One. But kind of unfortunate there, Haynes. I know your pre-order copy is still coming for PlayStation 4 like mine. So we'll be able to share ideas and thoughts about it when it comes out. Yeah, I'm I you know, I'm not even a huge fan of the franchise. Uh, I am looking forward to it. I've heard good things. I do have a collector's edition on pre-order just cuz they were really limited and that's how I do. Um <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know. It's kind of sad, right? Because um you know, the I know Phil Spencer has spoken about uh, wanting to deepen those relationships with some of the Japanese publishers. And, uh, you know, people thought that this may be finally a sign of that. But according to Bandai Namco, this is not true. So, um, you know, we don't we obviously don't know for sure either way right now. We don't know if this is something that leaked and is is coming later down the line and they just don't want to announce it yet. Um, due to some kind of limited exclusive, like you said, or if it's really not coming and someone just made it up. So who knows? We'll see. Uh, we'll see early next year. Yeah. can never tell on those things. And by the way, Nino Cooney has a massive following. So that would have been pretty good for Xbox if they did get that. So too bad, but we'll see what happens in the future. But um, that's our rumors for this week, guys. We have been um, gladly uh, missing out on a lot of rumors that are not coming out in the gaming industry. So um, glad that they're not really popping up as much as they have in the past. So let's move over to our new releases, and we do like to keep these shorter now, just kind of telling you about the new releases, how they're doing with their scores, um, and then we'll kind of talk about what we're currently playing and jump to our main topic that uh, we're looking forward to share with you. So uh, the big release for this past week, um, this specific past week, is The Shadow of Mordor, getting reviewed really well. As I did mention earlier in our discussion that a lot of people have it at their Game of the Year contender. It scored really well with an 84 strong on um, Open Critic. So hopefully uh, you are definitely um, enjoying that. Um, and moving on to our next one that actually released last week on Friday the 13th, it's Evil Within 2. Um, we're huge fans of the first one, but this one's scoring a 78 strong. A lot of people are liking it. Um, I'm not sure it will really be in Game of the Year contention, but it's definitely something you should get into if you're into that kind of genre of horror. So looking really good. Um, kind of a disappointing score for a Gran Turismo Sport on Open Critic. It's only scoring a 76 strong. A lot of people didn't like a lot of the changes that have come through and the lack of overall content. So if you're a huge Gran Turismo fan, you're probably going to like the overall racing of it. But when it comes to the features, that's been the biggest critique um, and content as far as tracks and cars go. So kind of unfortunate to see this one kind of fall um, from what a lot of people thought was the top but um, a lot of things have happened since then as far as games go. Um, let's see what else we got on here. So some things that are coming out in the near future, um, and this is as quick as next Friday. So we don't have a, a bitcast for you next week, but the week after, we may do a little special to kind of talk about the crazy end of October of games coming out. So next Friday, once again, mark your calendars. We've got uh, three massive games that are going to be probably some of the biggest games of the fall. So Mario Odyssey. Uh, if you have a Switch, you've been probably waiting for this game for a while. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, and also Wolfenstein 2. So um, I have a feeling Assassin's Creed Origins and Wolfenstein 2 will be affected uh, by Mario Odyssey there. And some of these may even be purchased towards the November and December months due to the holidays coming up. But busy day coming up next week. Um, and if not to leave off one of my favorite games that was released is South Park, The Fractured Butthole, <laughs> which funny enough was my biggest uh, anticipation for this week slash last week. Scoring really well with an 83 strong. Uh, I am playing this game right now and the biggest thing I can say about it is if you're a South Park fan, you're gonna love this game. 
if you're not a fan of South Park, it's more South Park. So I really wouldn't suggest it because even when you're not doing the fun uh, role-playing stuff that's the role-playing fighting engine and stuff that's happening in the game, uh, you may not get it as far as the humor in it. So if you don't like South Park humor, you might want to pass one. So other than that, it's fantastic. So um, we usually talk about what we're, what we're playing currently, and uh, our lists are usually pretty crazy. But Ains, what are you currently playing right now? I can only imagine um, every console... Probably a couple of handheld games. You know, probably got things going on everywhere. What's what's going on with your current? Yeah, game? I'll try to keep this quick. Um, I'll try. Uh, so I started. I don't know why I started, but I started Divinity uh, Original Sin, the first one on the Xbox One. I've been meaning to pick it up. You know, for a year and a half plus now. I just happened to get a copy really cheap. So uh, started that. I really like it. Very old school role playing game. Um, well, don't really need to talk about that much. Uh, Cuphead, I am took a little break on with some of the new games. I'm gone back to it, and now I'm determined to 100% it. So I'm at the point now where I've gotten, um, I've already beaten the game. I've beaten all the running gun levels on Pacifist. Uh, I've beaten now every single boss with an A, um, and I've got uh, most of the secret achievements as well. So really, the only main thing I have left to do is to finish beating all the bosses on Expert. I have beat several of them already, so I'm not too far off from 100%ing it which uh, will be one of my prouder achievements. Uh, Forza 7, I'm still playing, but I'm playing it kind of intermittently. Um, I'm actually waiting for the Xbox One X version or console to release so I can play it on there more. Um, I am still loving it. I think it's great. Um, Gears 4, we've been playing a ton of again lately. Uh, I've kind of fallen back in love with it. Um, again, another game that's getting a huge Xbox One X update, so looking forward to that. Playing Dying Light, we're playing that in co-op uh, with a buddy sometimes, and that's been a lot of fun. Uh, still playing Mario, Mario, good lord, Mario and Rabbids. <laughs> and uh, like I said, I'm kind of rambling on here because I'm playing so much. A um, couple things I do want to comment on, though, is that uh, last weekend was the Wildlands um, open beta. Or excuse me, not open beta, but free play day um, where you can play the whole game. So I tried that. Um, thought it was pretty cool. I liked it. I'm generally a fan of the uh, Ubisoft open world games. So I uh, thought that was neat. And then I also got into the Sea of Thieves um, technical test. So it's the first time I've gotten my hands on Sea of Thieves. Um, played, was chatting with a few of my uh, buddies that I got matchmaked with, made some friends. I uh, had a good time. I thought it was really fun. It's a really neat game. And, uh, you know, I can't obviously post any pictures or videos or anything else about it, but I will say it's enjoyable. And I think uh, the more they tune it, the more fun that's going to be next year when that releases. And then, um, like I said, sorry to ramble on, but lastly, I just want to say that uh, I did get to play the Xbox One X earlier this week. Um, sat down. It was actually the Project Scorpio edition. So I got to see that up close and personal. It's fantastic looking. If you can get if you're getting an Xbox One X um, and you can get your hands on the Scorpio version, I would. It's, uh, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's got this kind of gradient design on it that really adds a nice flavor to the console itself. And then uh, I was playing Forza 7 on it, and I've been playing on my Xbox One S on my OLED TV. So I've already been playing it, you know, at the highest caliber you can now on console. And uh, there was a, a, a noticeable difference right away. You could just see how sharp and clear it was compared to uh, the current one. Uh, the texture quality is just staggering. Um, so, you know, again, just made me more excited for it. So, like I said, sorry to uh, ramble on there. But, yeah, playing a lot right now and trying to get through some things before uh, launch uh, in a couple weeks. 
Yeah, so I'll briefly touch on my stuff. Um, I play a lot of stuff too. Uh, with with all the new releases coming out, it's kind of hard to juggle stuff that's maybe in your backlog. But I went back to Dying Light single player as well as co-op, and I did 100% uh, the whole game as far as the missions, side missions, and a lot of the loot that you can pick up around there. So I'm really excited about that. Um, now I have to touch the DLC, so I don't know if I'm going to 100% all of that, but I am taking a break from that uh, to play some other games to kind of move the stuff around. I did come back to Uncharted Lost Legacy. We've been talking about that for the last couple of bitcasts, and one of the cool things about that game is it's starting to grow on me a little bit more. It has a very slow start, um, and I think at about hour five or six, it really starts to pick up, and the story becomes a lot more interesting. Um, and as everybody kind of talks about, it's a beautiful game. Um, and I would say that a lot of these scenes look just as good, if not better, than Horizon Zero Dawn, which says a lot about the PlayStation 4 Pro. So um, really cool game. It's, it's really grown. I mean, like I said, I've been into racers like crazy lately. Uh, Forza 7 has, you know, I, I love the Forza series. I have all of them. And it looks really cool so far from what I've played. I haven't put as much time in there as I've wanted to. I'm still working on um, F1 2017 on the Xbox One now. And um, I'm almost done with another year of Grand Prix there. Funny enough, the F1 uh, Grand Prix for the United States is this weekend here in Austin. So I'll be going to that. And I just wanted to get to that point in the season where I'm at now. So I've been pushing like crazy to get there, and I just finished that yesterday, so that was really cool to do. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, in the uh, new releases, South Park Fractured But Whole, I'm only about four to five hours into it, and we'll see how uh, that kind of goes. Um, I, if we both haven't really touched uh, Gran Turismo Sport. We had debated picking that up at launch. Um, so with that being said, I did play the demo. I enjoyed what I saw from a visual perspective. I didn't care for the gameplay. Uh, how about you, Ains? You had mentioned that you, you touched it as well. What were your thoughts? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we've talked about Gran Turismo several times on, on some of our conversations, but, um, you know, we didn't really know what to expect of this. We knew that the content was light in this and the lack of a proper single player kind of campaign, if you will. But, uh, you know, turned it up. We both have PlayStation 4 Pro, so we were playing it at the highest fidelity possible. Um, it looks really pretty, but uh, that's about where my enjoyment for the game ended. Um, I really don't understand. <laughs> I, I'm almost at a loss. So I'm thinking actually about writing an article out of it because I'm so confused. Um, there are some people, usually the PlayStation guys, who are kind of raving about it. Um, but I think if you look at this game objectively, um, I just I don't understand what they were going for. You know, they're they're trying to do that online kind of competitive racing only. I don't see how that's uh, more viable than. Um, than some other franchises who do it. And I don't see why it also means that they couldn't add any other content to the game. I mean, we're talking about a $60 simulation, they call it, racing game in 2017 that has six, and I'll repeat that, six real world tracks. Um, it has a hundred and, you know, what, 70 cars. Many of them are repeated. Um, it only has one car. Uh, that's older than something like 10 years, you know, from uh, early 2000s and going back. It has one car. All the cars are just recent. Um, it's really, really baffling that um, they've spent several years making this game, and I really don't know what they were doing the whole time. But to compare it to some of the other competitors out there um, just seems ridiculous, in my opinion. I, there's no way in hell that I would pay $60 for this game. And... Um, you know, I've heard some people say, well, the, the racing aspect of it is really good and it may be online, but, uh, you know, you can you can comment as well because we both raced in real life. We both played 
thousands of hours of racing games. And uh, I was not impressed by that either. Uh, I didn't think it felt very well, uh, very good, excuse me. And, um, you know, the sounds of the, the cars and just the, the movement I didn't think was was great either. So I, I'm kind of yeah. at a loss for, for what this game is supposed to be or what Polyphony Digital is even doing nowadays. Yeah, one thing that I can kind of point to that does affect the experience of GT Sport is Gran Turismo for a long time has been controlled really with a poor controller. Um, the PlayStation 3 and even PlayStation 2, gosh, and PlayStation 1 controller has never been a good controller for racers in general. The D-pads, um, if you remember the first Gran Turismo, you could only really race it with a D-pad. Um, and then people would just hit left, right, left, right on that to kind of get a good steer. Then people moved over to the uh, PlayStation 2 slash PlayStation 3 controller because they never really evolved out of a few features. Um, and it became really hard to control. What I'm noticing um, when controlling Gran Turismo Sport is the, um, the new PlayStation 4 controller is not a very good controller to steer with. And it's really, really bad when you're trying to steer left and right because you either oversteer or understeer extremely easy. Um, and from what I read a little bit, the game plays a lot better with the wheel. Um, the problem is, is not every average gamer has a wheel to where they can experience the best. Now, I do know that when you compare Forza to Gran Turismo, I know a lot of people play with wheels more on the Gran Turismo side. But that says a lot with where we are in today's industry because if you think about it, um, turn 10 has gotten really good at giving the experience of racing with a controller a lot better. Um, if you think of the different vibrations of the Xbox One controller and how you can feel even hitting curbs in certain parts of the controller, but then I think Polyphony has gotten really lazy on the control of the cars. And I, I agree with the assessment that when you drive with these cars, you feel like it's a cloud that's driving. I mean, you don't really get an experience that you're driving a car. Um, but I don't know. It has, a, 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 as we like to say, a rabid following, and people will defend it to the end. But um, I think the average gamer that is looking for a fun racing game that is near simulation, not simulation, is probably going to be playing something different, unless you only play Gran Turismo and that's all you will play. I have friends that have not played any Project Cars, have not played any Forza, have not played any other racing game, and they've been waiting since the PlayStation 3 era to play Gran Turismo, and this is the only thing they're going to play is highly unfortunate and if you're one of those gamers just try a different racing game in my opinion but um i don't know we could have a whole topic as you said we could write a whole article on it and uh still talk more about it so yeah i think you uh, last point i think you made a good point about the um, rumble triggers right in the the triggers of the xbox one because that really makes a huge difference um they if i'm you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think they added those with fours of six yes um mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was really neat at the time. They've tuned that even more. So when you're racing, not only does the car feel like it's on the road and you get a good sensation of speed, but you can also feel what the wheels are doing. You can feel when you're sliding. You can feel if the ABS is locking, you know, uh, triggering. You can feel if uh, you're spinning out, all those things. When I went over and played Gran Turismo Sport, it felt dead. It, it felt like I was literally playing just a video game. Um, which sounds kind of weird, I realize, but uh, it just had no feeling whatsoever. The sensation of speed is poor in that game. You don't feel like you're really moving fast at all. Um, the wheels don't feel connected to the road. Uh, you have no sense of what's going on with the car. So, I mean, I could go on and on, but I yeah. I have no idea. Um, I know it's getting some poor reviews, and I think rightfully so. Um, for the people who are rating it like nines, you know, I haven't seen a major outlet rate it high yet. Most of the outlets rating it nines seem to be those kind of more Sony leaning ones uh, and smaller outlets. So we'll see. But um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know uh, 
really don't know what they're doing with it. Yeah, I think we're going to see some unfortunate numbers and sales figures. And I think when you look at the number of people that buy the game versus continue to play online, because that's really where they're aiming their stuff to, I think we're going to see those numbers fall over time pretty dramatically. But anyways, let's let's go ahead and move on to our main topic. We're kind of talking too much about Gran Turismo. But pardon us, guys. We were hoping this game was going to be great. And uh, unfortunately, it kind of let us down um, from what we were expecting. But um, our main topic this week um, is the best games of last generation. And uh, why do we want to talk about this? Well, if you remember the last generation, uh, it was a very long generation. And it was eight years long. We saw a lot of stuff that changed from the beginning of the generation and where it ended. I mean, uh, if you think about it, there's still some games from last generation that are being remade on the Switch and um, are being ported to the Switch, and people are going eight about it and you know having to get that game because they couldn't play it last generation. But not only that, but we have games that are being ported to the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 and remastered in 1080p or even a higher resolution with higher frames per second. So we, we definitely loved the last generation, and we kind of want to talk about a few of those games. We're just going to talk about at least five that we want to mention, and we'll kind of move on. And then hopefully in the comments, you'll let us know what some of your favorite games were from last generation. And then we have something special for you at the end. So, Ains, why don't you kick us off on what your, well, at least I shouldn't say what your favorite game is, but one of your favorite games from last generation and why, and why do you think that it uh, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, I guess, of games? Yeah, so, um, you know what? When you look at last generation, what was really interesting about it is, I believe I'm correct in saying it was the longest generation. So the Xbox 360 launched in fall of 2005. Um, I was there at midnight launch, loved it. Um, you know, it kind of introduced 720p and HD textures. PlayStation 3 came along a year later in 2006, but uh, those consoles lasted till 2013. So by the time 2013 rolled around, you know, those consoles were very, very dated, even though there were still beautiful games being made for them. Um, but I think, uh, you know, because the generation was so long and because there was such a, uh, large gap there with, you know, how games were developed back in 2005, 2006, and then, you know, how they learned and all the kind of nuances the companies learned about development and how to maximize the potential of each console. The games from the early days were very different from the games, um, you know, in like 10, 2011 to 2013. So um, kind of hit the gamut here. But the first one I want to mention, which is one of my top three games of all time, is Bioshock. Um, Bioshock came out in 2007, which is still considered, that fall was considered one of the best years ever for games. Because if you remember, Bioshock 1 came out, Mass Effect 1 came out, and Halo 3 came out. Um, and uh, Modern Warfare came out, the original. So <laughs> those <laughs> those four games are usually on, you know, um, the top 20, 30 games of all time, all four of them. So they all came out in a six-month span, which was interesting. But um yeah, Bioshock, uh, I still think today, 10 years later, um, in terms of environment, in terms of setting, and in terms of even storytelling, I don't think it's been topped. Um, Rapture is still the pinnacle in my mind of, of uh, video game environment. And I was really sad to hear that, um, you know, they were making a big budget Bioshock movie and hopefully doing it right. And that got canceled like so many video game projects do. But um, yeah, I still love Bioshock. I go back to it all the time. I have a, a huge number of Bioshock collectibles. And um, while I love Bioshock 2 and Infinite, it's uh, Bioshock 1 that obviously is remembered uh, the fondest. Right. And I think that, I, oh, first of all, I agree with everything you have there. It's in my top games of all time as well. 
And uh, to one of the points you made, and I kind of want to segue my game into it, is environment. So it's really hard to kind of go into games and, and remember the environment almost more than the story to where you can play a game for a couple hours overnight and kind of remember that you were in Rapture or whatever the case is that you were in um, in a game. Mine is going to be Dead Space, the Dead Space series. So I have all these up here. Hopefully you can see them okay. But the reason I mention this is because Dead Space is a very close second uh, for me um, when it comes to um, the environment. So you, you play as this guy Isaac and you enter these environments that just kind of make you feel uncomfortable. Some kind of make you remember what was going on in a specific area and you can actually see how something played out and you can actually feel like you were there. Um, and it was amazing how they brought his personality and issue into the story. But you have to uh, play this game and it kind of goes into the topic that we were talking about before um, when we were looking at things. Dead Space 1 was really hard to kind of say it's not the best, but Dead Space 2 is the best one of the series. And I actually have the special edition that came with the little, uh, what was that thing called, the metal tool? I can't remember uh, yeah. now. It's yeah, I have the head. same thing too, and I don't remember what it's uh, called. There it is. It's a replica plasma cutter. Plasma, I was going to say mining <laughs> laser, which, yeah. yeah. So it's funny because Isaac is actually a mining, a miner um, in this game. I don't mean like a miner, like young dude, but like a miner that messes <laughs> with things. And you only play with those kinds of tools. So you don't play with like a machine gun or a shotgun and all this stuff. You play with different uh, stuff. And if you're trying to get the best experience from the series, I think the, the games on PC is probably where it's at from a graphical standpoint. Uh, they are all backwards compatible with the Xbox One. Um, so you can try it there. They are available for, I guess, free if you consider it a subscription through uh, the Game Pass that's available through, um, or not Game Pass, um, EA Access um, or EA uh, or Origin Access on PC. So you can definitely play that there. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and kick off the next one, and I just want to jump over to Nintendo for a second. Um, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. So if you are a Wii person, and the reason I'm going to talk about Nintendo really quick and then jump it back to Ains, is because uh, the Nintendo Wii and Wii U are technically last generation, and they bled into each other of the generation. So you could pick up a Wii while the PlayStation 3 and 360 was around, and then you could also pick a Wii U up when the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 was around. And so my games from that generation that I liked a lot are Bayonetta 2, which is one of the best games you'll ever play if you played it. If you were able to get the exclusive one here that came with Bayonetta 1, it was great on the Wii U. And then um, Mario Kart 8, which I guess is being talked about all the time now because it's on the Switch. But those are mine for the Nintendo of last generation. What about you, Ains? What's your next one? <laughs> And I have to apologize if you saw Burke kind of giggling out the side there. I'm kind of fucking with him on the notes. So uh, anyway, <laughs> my next one is uh, another one of my top three games of all time. I've talked about it at length. Uh, previously, I've written articles about it, um, so I won't go on about it, but it's Last of Us. So Last of Us, as you know, originally released on PlayStation 3. Um, it's now obviously best played on PlayStation 4 in the remastered form uh, on a pro, especially if you have one. Um, but uh, I think probably the most, uh, you know, I kind of comment on Bioshock storytelling. Um, I think from a um, kind of movie-like experience and movie-like writing, Last of Us is the best that video games has to offer so far. Um, it's just really emotional. You get tied to the characters. Uh, you know, Joel and Ellie will be forever kind of etched in my mind. And I'm uh, Last of Us 2 is obviously one of my most anticipated games uh, of next year or whenever it releases. So, um, yeah, I think that was fantastic. Mine kind of fall up with the same studio. We've got the Uncharted series, uh, Uncharted 1 through 3, 
fantastic games. I guess it's easy to say that Uncharted 2 is uh, my favorite one, including Part 4. I did like Uncharted 2 the best from the story. The set pieces that you could play in were amazing. And I think the time that it came out. So when Uncharted Drake's Fortune came out, it was definitely uh, good, but it was definitely dated. So kind of to our beginning of our conversation, a first-generation um, game from the last era is completely different from where the games ended in the last era. So kind of keep Keep that in mind. We look at these games; still very playable. They did remaster them in the Nathan Drake collection for PlayStation 4, and they did up the resolution and the frames per second. So give them a try. Um, I still think they're some of the best games of all time and very playable. Um, Nathan Drake is probably one of my favorite characters in gaming of all time. He's up there with Mario and Master Chief with characters that are just people that, that will kind of grow with you for, for over time. Whoa now! So, Whoa now! Hey, easy. Hey, he talks, Master Chief. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> no. Nathan Drake's one of my favorites too, and uh, and I completely agree with you. Uncharted Two is the best one uh, of the four, or of the five, if you include a uh, Golden Abyss. But um, my next one is. Uh, Does anybody do that? We include hey, that. Hey, hey, it wasn't that bad. Come on, I have that game too. So whatever. <laughs> um, Red Dead Redemption. So um, this game, obviously, a lot of press recently because of Red Dead Redemption Two. The new trailers we've seen. We've talked about it, one of our most anticipated games for good reason. Red Dead Redemption uh, kind of blew us away when it released uh, last gen. It really pushed the boundaries of Xbox 360 and PS3. Um, it created a Wild West that, uh, you know, I don't think has been created as vividly in video games prior. Um, so I think uh, that just environment, that world just felt alive and it felt really neat to just explore it. Um, on top of that, it had a really underrated and not even much talked about multiplayer mode. Uh, I used to play it often, almost daily with some friends, and I had some kind of neat modes, and it was fun to play a third-person game set in the Wild West where, uh, you know, you're using rifles and six-shooters and uh, running around with gold and things like that. So um, a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, especially seeing what they do with the online, given the uh, development focus of Rockstar with, like, uh, Grand Theft Auto Online. So we'll see what that brings. But if you haven't played Red Red, Red Dead Redemption, excuse me, uh, please do. If you're on the Xbox One, it's backwards compatible, and um, it runs even better than it did on 360 and PS3. So uh, definitely give it a play. Yeah, so kind of a, a thing to talk about Rockstar in general. So Grand Theft Autos, I mean, gosh, those uh, Grand Theft Auto was four um, that was on the last generation. You have to kind of uh, play that. The DLCs for them were amazing, so um, definitely pick that up. It's not one of my favorites, but it's definitely some of the best games of the last generation I do want to mention. The game I want to mention is the Arkham City game. Um, I thought Arkham City was the best one of the series, including Arkham Knight, even though Arkham Knight is beautiful to look at. Um, but e even Origins is one of my favorite games from it, even though it's not made by Rocksteady. Uh, but they're, they're fantastic if you're a Batman fan, or even if you're an open-world fan and kind of know a little bit about Batman but not a huge fan, you have to play it. Um, it's, it's fantastic. And the story, the villains, the people that help you in it, I won't definitely give you any spoilers about it, but um, the whole series is pretty good, and I definitely suggest it. So... Um, there is a remastered version that you can get. I think it's called Return to Arkham. Um, it's unfortunately really buggy. Um, I'm hoping that the Xbox One X will kind of have some enhancements for it. They do something. It plays slightly better on the PS4 Pro over the PS4, but it was just not ported very well, unfortunately. But they, uh, a lot of these games are backwards compatible on the X1, so give those a try too. Nice. Uh, so I'll move on to one of my favorite series we've talked about, and that is Halo. Um, most people would think that I'm going to say Halo 3, but I'm not. Um, I'm one of those strange, weird uh, Halo fans that loves Halo 4. 
Uh, I think it is um, one of my favorite Halos. It is, in my opinion, it has the best Halo campaign. Um, you know, I think most people hold uh, Combat Evolved up there, and I would too, simply from a nostalgic perspective. But Halo 4 was the campaign where you really got to see the human side of Chief. Um, Chief and Cortana's relationship in Halo 4 was absolutely fantastic story writing. And the epilogue in that game in particular, I've watched countless times. Um, but on top of that, uh, I just thought it was a really fun multiplayer um, excuse me, real fun campaign to play through. I actually did enjoy the multiplayer. You know, I understand all the complaints about it not being the same competitive nature that it was with uh, with two and three and obviously now five. Um, I think it, you know, they messed up in, in some of those areas. But the big team battle mode in Halo 4 was uh, amazing and still is. There's just something about it that just makes it tremendously fun to play. So um, I put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into that game, and I'll, I've played through the campaign multiple times, including on the Master Chief Collection, and I'll probably do that again when, uh, when it gets updated. So one of my favorites. Cool. My next one is Mass Effect 2. Um, I have the collector's edition for this one. And uh, Mass Effect, um, as we always talk about on here, is one of my favorite series of all time, if not my favorite trilogy right next to Dead Space and Arkham. Uh, but Mass Effect 2 is probably what everybody's favorite one is. I think a lot of people still have a huge affinity towards Mass Effect 1. But yeah. I prefer, yeah. <laughs> I, had to, here. I had to interrupt you over there. No, but uh, yeah, I, I actually like Mass Effect 2 more, mainly because the supporting cast is done so, so well. Um, and it's it's just amazing what they did with this game. It's a shame that three didn't end up the way a lot of people wanted it to. And um, as we know what happened to the studio and everything, we're gonna move on to the next one. And I'm just gonna talk about a couple games really fast and then we'll kind of close it out with Ains's favorite. But uh, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare was kind of revolutionary. A lot of people like Modern Warfare 2 more than one. But one of the things that I liked a lot about the Modern Warfare series is you could play with your friend co-op and there was like a whole campaign that you could do co-op together. Um, in the mission ops side. So uh, it was just amazing when it came out and it kind of changed multiplayer gaming for the first person side even more than it had already changed. Um, I do have God of War 3 in here. So if you're a PlayStation, any, uh, I guess PlayStation 2, PSP, Vita, or even PlayStation 3 and now PlayStation 4 fan of God of War, uh, God of War 3 was my favorite out of all of them. Uh, and it, it's a must play. There's a remastered edition available on PlayStation 4. It looks amazing still. They did it really well. And the last one that I have on here for older games is Metal Gear Solid 4, which was my favorite one, um, including uh, the new one, which is actually really close up there for my favorite one. But Metal Gear Solid 4, when that came out, it blew everyone away from a graphical standpoint and the storytelling. So, gosh, this game had probably 60 hours of just video. I can't even remember how much. You, you, if you ever wanted to play for 15 minutes, you should have just played a different game because you, uh, you couldn't sit there for 15 minutes. You had to watch a 20, 30-minute video just for getting to the next checkpoint. But, um, and last but not least, South Park Stick of Truth. It is in my list of favorite games from last generation and a must-play if you're a fan of the series. And that'll do it for me on Games of Last Generation. <laughs> Ending your segment there. Um... So I will comment on Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, that is actually, I have the um, Metal Gear Solid 4 PlayStation 3 bundle. That's when I got my PlayStation 3. I actually didn't buy one at launch, uh, which is rare thinking back. But um, I was never a Metal Gear Solid fan. Um, I think, and uh, you know, don't hate me, but I think they're incredibly overrated games. But 
the bat being said, Metal Gear Solid Four was uh, tremendous. It was um, just absolutely fantastic to play through. The videos were a bit much, as you mentioned; they were far too long at times. I think the ending one, once you beat the game, wasn't it like thirty-five minutes long or something? It's like watching a an episode of a show, you know. After yeah, you're not you're not even exaggerating. It really was thirty plus minutes. To no, yeah, I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I think it was thirty-five or forty minutes because I timed it um, when I beat the game. But the the final, especially the final, like two hours of that game were absolutely incredible really really good storytelling and cinematics you know the way it was framed so good job on uh, kojima's part there um for me personally um there's a couple other games i wanted to mention real quick like you did um the gears of war series is one of my favorite series of all time i think the trilogy is probably right up there um just behind maybe halo for me mass effect you commented on one of my favorites as well but gears uh has always held a special place in my heart um love it to death met good friends through it still play it like we said we're playing gears 4 a ton and uh, i follow that series very very closely and then um borderlands 1 and 2 um i wanted to mention as well simply fantastic games borderlands 2 i have several hundred hours into i've played it beginning to end countless times um i've done everything in the end game uh that you can possibly do so um and a lot of good memories playing with my uh sons and stuff in co-op so just the fact that you could play in co-op and loot hunt uh, was great too so good stuff there um i am really looking forward to borderlands 3 i wish gearbox would stop you know effing around and wouldn't have wasted their time on uh, these other kind of experiments they have which i completely understand but you know the world's waiting for borderlands 3 and i think given the new systems i'm really um hoping that's something special as well so anyway the um the last game i want to mention which you you know you mentioned um remasters coming out so one of my last favorite games and i've talked about it on season reflections before is la noir uh, i think la noir is a, a masterpiece i think uh, rockstar really did something unique there and i'm happy to see it uh, coming back it's another game i'll be picking up next month but that's about me um well, that's about me that's about uh, the end of um my games for last generation i'm sure i'm overlooking probably several more including skyrim which just came to mind but um, yeah, it was a fantastic generation for games. So as Bert mentioned uh, previously, what we're going to do here, guys, is um, on the YouTube video, if you are logged in, just subscribe and comment. Um, we are going to put a list in the description of games that we're going to be giving away, uh, kind of the best games of last generation. We have a collection of titles that we're going to be giving away copies of. So we'll list that out for you. If there's one on there that you haven't played or you love and you know wanted to pick up again, just let us know. And uh, we'll be sending those out in the next few weeks. Yeah, these are going to be free of charge too, guys. So you don't have to worry about shipping or anything. And uh, when you're commenting, just let us know what your favorite game of last generation is. And we can uh, add it in there and kind of talk about it. And um, we'll definitely put if these are backwards compatible as well. On some of our PS3 games, unfortunately, um, some of those are not backwards compatible in the traditional sense to where, um, you know, you put it to disk in. Some of them are available digitally, uh, backwards compatible on, on other systems, but uh, it's kind of unfortunate. So make sure that if you do want one of the games that it, it works on your system, and uh, we'll definitely put if they are backwards compatible on Xbox. So looking forward to your comments and uh, looking forward to getting these out to you. So let's go ahead and talk about our, our something we like to do is we kind of talk about our collectibles that we've picked up this week or in the last couple weeks. Um, I'll go ahead and kick it off on what I've been getting. So uh, I know Ian's going to crack up, but I got some crazy Amiibos this week. Here um, we go. Here we go. <laughs> I uh, stopped by to uh, check on something and return something at a store. and There was a GameStop nearby, and they had every Zelda Amiibo you could think of. Um, and apparently someone had a huge return from what I heard, so I picked them 
all up. So there's a problem there. There's definitely a problem on that. Um, and uh, I'm also a huge limited run games fan. And uh, I think a two big cast ago, I finally got my yeast collector's edition um, and it came dented and all messed up. Well, I got my replacement today for it. And on that same topic, I did get the yeast um, packs exclusive this week as well. It's still unfortunately in the package, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this one um, is fine in here. So I'm looking forward to, to getting this one up and taking a look at it. So. Uh, that's it for there. Um, mainly just getting, getting a lot of software. None, none of the typical collectibles recently, but hopefully in the near future we'll get some more of those. There's so much hardware coming out that you got to kind of slow down on the other stuff. How about you, Ains? Yeah, I'm the same way. No uh, specific collectibles per se um, recently. I think I've got some things coming in the near future that we'll talk about. But I did just want to mention, you may notice that I am wearing a uh, Project Scorpio t-shirt. Um, so if you weren't aware, this emblem here is on the motherboard of every Xbox One X. It's supposed to be Chief riding a scorpion. And uh, says Project Scorpio here. I got it in green because, uh, you know, just for Xbox. But uh, this came from a, a, a person named Crypt Concepts on Twitter. You can find him. And um, he kind of makes uh, T-shirts for fans of uh, Xbox-related things, so hardware and games and the like. And... Uh, like I said, I ordered this last week. Uh, great communication from him and uh, really loved the shirt. So I just want to give a shout out to him, thank him for it. And uh, that's about it on the collectible side. Yeah, and uh, we'll be definitely linking um, the, the Twitter just to kind of know where you are if you want to get one. Um, they're definitely cool shirts. Um, and this was kind of released early about what's on the motherboard. So you can find it online. We'll probably try to put a picture in there on where on the motherboard it is. Obviously, people aren't going to be taking apart their motherboards and sorry, their boxes to see the motherboard. But it is kind of cool. So a very cool shirt. Glad you got one of those. And um, we're going to go ahead and close it out, guys. Uh, we usually do have a season reflections in all of our bitcasts. But since we kind of covered the best games from last generation, we're going to skip that this week just from a timing perspective. Um, so hopefully you got some of that from our best games from last generation. Funny enough, we both had a game that was somewhat from last generation. So it would have been just another game to talk about. But we do want to thank you for listening, folks. Um, we do have some new content for you guys to take a look at. So we have a whole bunch of new articles for you to take a look at from a news perspective. Um, but we do have a few reviews that have come up in the last few weeks, so take a look at those. Uh, we did an unboxing on a Mayflash USB dongle for the Switch that allows you to play other controllers onto it. Um, and then, uh, let's see, what else What else do we have on there? What, what, what new content do we have for people to take a look at? Um, as you said, we got some reviews. There's just been a lot of news lately. You did the uh, the unboxing and the testing of the Mayflash, which is pretty interesting. So if you're you know playing your Nintendo Switch and uh, you've thought about a Pro Controller, even if you have a Pro Controller, you may want to check this out because it allows the use of uh, you know other third-party controllers or other system controllers like Xbox and PlayStation on the Switch. So I thought uh, you did a really good job on that video. Um, we are obviously right in the crux of... Um, or in the middle, I should say, of uh, the fall season. So all the major releases we talked about coming next Friday, we'll, we'll have kind of a plethora of content coming in various forms. So I'm going to be doing some streaming. Uh, we'll be putting up impressions of things. I'm, I'm probably, uh, might be the first Assassin's Creed I buy on day one in Origins. So uh, I may put some thoughts up about that. And obviously we'll be talking about Mario as well. We're both, uh, I think that's probably our most anticipated game of the fall. So, uh, yeah, just keep an eye out. A lot, of, a lot of stuff in the works, nothing specific to point to. Um, the only other thing I'll say, it's not new, but, uh, you know, Xbox One X is nearly upon us here. If you're still one of the people who have questions about it, um, who aren't quite sure what it means in terms of, uh, you know, the generations or, you know, how games work, how you're going to play with your friends, or if you're on the fence about buying one, 
Um, I do have some articles out there that talk about uh, the details of the system, as well as why I personally think that uh, despite it being $499, that the Xbox One X with all of its feature set is an absolute bargain. And so if you're one of those people that, uh, you know, likes to play games at a higher level or, you know, doesn't mind spending more on your games to get a better experience, um, why you should definitely look at one. So um, anyway, I think that about covers it. Yeah, and if you're definitely listening at this point in the video, that means you definitely like the longer bidcasts where you can kind of sit down and kind of listen and work or drive whatever you're doing. But if you do like just the shorter main topics, we are kind of removing those from the bidcast in a smaller form so where you can listen to those. So we're kind of taking them out, having them stand alone for you guys to take a listen to or watch on YouTube as well. So make sure you take a look at those guys and don't forget about our kind of a, not really a contest, but our giveaway this week. If you are listening to audio only, why don't you go ahead and subscribe uh, us to us on Twitter and uh, leave a comment on what your favorite game of last generation was and we'll try to, to find you on there as well. So thanks for listening guys. Hopefully listen next time and we'll talk to you later.